0: Welcome to the Pet Project Podcast with Sarah, the creator of PetProjectBlog.com. This is your weekly dose of news, views, and activities to help you strengthen the human animal bond. I'm Steve, producer of the show. On today's podcast, Sarah discusses techniques for making your pet's visit to the vet as stress free as possible. But first, let's hear a recap of the posts from last week on Pet Project.
1: I find myself talking about poop a lot. (laughs) And last week started off with poop again. Uh, This time it was for dogs. And uh, you may have heard of a a contraption called a doggy dooley. There are other ones out there. And basically it's like a little septic tank for uh, dog waste so that you're not filling up the landfill with plastic bags filled with dog poop. This is a DIY project, and it's on a larger scale than the Doggy Dooley. The Doggy Dooley like, I don't know, it's about a foot across, I think. And this one uses one of those really big Rubbermaid trash cans. And you dig a big hole, you plunk that down in there, you cut the bottom out, and you drill holes in the side because you need to get drainage in there. And then you put in the enzyme that you would put in a septic tank that digests the dog waste. And it's a lot friendlier, environmentally friendly way to dispose of dog poop. If you live in a place with well-drained soil, not close to a river, not close to the water table, that sort of thing. Otherwise, it's not a good idea because you don't want to contaminate the water with dog crap.
0: What do you do with it after it's been digested?
1: It just sits there and percolates in the ground and you don't have to do anything with it. It just kind of you know diffuses into the surrounding soil. You don't want to do it right next to um, edible plants in your garden, but it's you know it's it's a good way to get rid of dog poop a safe way
0: and is this part of the earth day posts
1: it yeah it is this is one that I had done before and i I actually ended up posting about it this time because I'd gotten out of the blue several questions and thought that I would uh, talk about it again.
0: What else did you have up on the blog?
1: Um, Then there was a post for Earth Day Archives and the post has a link to a roundup of a bunch of uh, DIY projects that are particularly recycling or reusing other materials. So there's the sweater bed that I mentioned last week There's a tutorial for making a dog bed, or I suppose a cat bed, out of a suitcase.
0: This is one of the posts that got your site a lot of attention, isn't it?
1: Right, the suitcase one. Yeah, Um, somebody stumbled it on StumbleUpon, and I got a lot of visitors from that. And I actually still get a lot of visitors for that post, so it was a really popular one. There are actually people selling suitcase beds on Etsy now, which is... Uh, pretty neat i i 'd like to think that I helped contribute to that i didn 't come up with the idea, but I collected a bunch of different posts on making um, beds out of suitcases they 're really cute let 's see also on the Earth Day archive there 's a link to a post on how to limit the environmental impact of your pets. A bunch of different ideas on that and then the last um, link is to a website that I really like called Green Little Cat and the whole website is dedicated to making your cats in particular more earth friendly. So everything that she does is connected to that. So she reviews different um, environmentally friendly cat litters. She has a whole bunch of different suggestions for things. She's a really smart writer. I like her. She also has a book out called Make Your Own Cat Toys, which has some really great easy to make toys in there and she has a tutorial on um, making at least one of the cat toys that she has in the book and i've linked to that and then the friday fun was two videos of cats with treadmills that are pretty funny there was the the bitch slapping cat and then the the very reluctant not exercising cat who would rather lie down than walk on the treadmill so they were pretty
0: cute great thanks sarah you're welcome Last week, we talked about Saffron's tooth right. getting repaired. How's she doing now?
1: She's doing a lot better. It was um, it was hard on everybody. I think that she was in a lot of pain, and she was also really frightened the day of the surgery and the day after the surgery. She was a lot better than the last time we took her to have her tooth extracted, and I think uh, some of that is just that we were better prepared to deal with her fear And that's what I'm going to be talking about today, actually.
0: When I came over today, she was even more exuberant than she usually is. And we were just talking about, you know, after you uh, have a bad cold that just knocks you out for a couple days. Yeah. You really appreciate how normal feels, yes, and you tend to get more things done around the house, yes, just because you you sort of have that relief, and it's it's weird, it's almost like a renewal in a way, completely, yeah. Wow, I feel normal again, and I really appreciate how that is, and I think that's how saffron feels. I do
1: too, I do too. I mean, it's it's really funny to see those same things in your pets, and like I've said before, I try to be really careful about projecting and anthropomorphizing, but. There definitely was like this giddy glee that she had and has had since she started feeling better. So, yeah.
0: Saffron, of course, has had fear issues right. from the time you got her. Yeah. Tell me about how you dealt with those in taking her to the vet for this, for the tooth uh, extraction.
1: In our particular instance, we had done a bunch of work beforehand, uh, well before anything like this happened. So that helped. And I'll go into some detail about that in a minute. But for her, I planned ahead and gave her some calming supplements that work with her probably about 45 minutes before we took her to the vet. And I also put a really tight t-shirt on her that we use whenever there's thunder or fireworks or something that scares her. Um, It works like swaddling a baby and helps calm her down. And I stayed calm as much as i could even though i was really nervous about the surgery and concerned about her being frightened and in pain and all that sort of thing i tried to you know just really stay calm and not get agitated or have my voice sound weird or anything like that and when i got to the vet i got there a little early and instead of taking her inside I left her in the car and ran inside and let them know at the front desk that we were there, but that I would be sitting in the car until they called us for the appointment so that she didn't spend time in the waiting room with all the smells, with other dogs coming in that were distressed, Um, if there were any sounds of dogs you know, that weren't happy sounds. I didn't want her sitting in the waiting room getting worked up and worked up and more frightened.
0: Is that a common... Anxiety-producing place for dogs. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think even animals who haven't had a painful, scary, or bad experience at a vet pick up on the smell of fear and pain that, you know, has to be present there. Not to mention, you know, there have been times when I've been at the vet and there's a dog waking up from anesthesia and they make, you know, just horrible sounds as they're coming out of the anesthesia that I think just have to be distressing to other animals. And you get, you know, five stressed dogs in a small waiting room and it's just not a good mix.
0: (laughs) So does the vet just call your cell phone when they're ready?
1: Actually, she said, you know, just come in at this time, but I think that that's perfectly fine. You know, say, I've got a fearful dog. We're all going to be better off if she waits in the car. Can you just give me a call? It's one of those situations where you may not be doing what they're used to, but if you're polite and you explain and you just advocate for your dog, I think most of them are going to understand. And honestly, if they don't understand, that to me would be a sign that I need to find another vet.
0: They should hand out those buzzer flasher things <laughs> like you get at the Olive Garden, you know? Yeah, and when I know. you're ready, it'll buzz. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea. A lot of the waiting rooms are just really small, and I feel bad for the cats who come in. And even with owners trying to be really careful with their dogs, they have to walk past these dogs, and the dogs are going to want to sniff those carriers. And so there's this poor cat in a carrier with a big old dog head, you know, snuffling it. And that's not good for that cat. So that's what we did. And we left her T-shirt on her during the exam. And I explained to the vet. And the reason why I am doing this um, podcast is because the vet asked me about the T-shirt. And when I explained what it was for, he had never heard of that. I mean, he completely understood what I was talking about, but he'd never heard of that. And it's one of those simple things that could make things easier for everybody. You know, he's got to be dealing with fearful dogs. He could advise patients, you know, that they might be better off if they're wearing a tight little T-shirt. Well, that their dogs dogs should be wearing a tight little Mm T-shirt. That's what we did, and she did um, definitely better than the first time.
0: So it sounds like it can be really important to sort of prepare your dog for success when it goes to the vet.
1: Definitely, yes. We pretty much started out from the beginning working on her fear issues, and so a lot of the work had been done quite a while ago. Things that you'll need to work on with your dog in getting them to where they can go to the vet with the least amount of problems are things like making sure that they can ride in a car without being terrified, vomiting, that sort of thing. And you have to build up to that. You can't just throw a dog in the car and expect them to be okay. Things like short trips where they're getting fed a bunch of rewards by somebody in the back seat, you know, things like that to work on desensitizing them to what they're afraid of. Going to different places, exposing your dog to different places so that a ride in the car doesn't mean a trip to the vet. It means maybe going to the dog park or maybe going to a different neighborhood to walk um, in a commercial district or, you know, anything like that, going to visit a friend. Adding variety to their life is a great way to expose them to different things and to set them up to be okay for a trip to the vet. Waiting in different places, actually, is something that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being something that they would have to get accustomed to but it was definitely the case with saffron when we would stop on say a park bench to just you know hang out and look at the view people watch she would get anxious because she didn't know what we were doing she didn't know what our boundaries were she i think she also felt like a sitting duck so that other dogs if there were dogs approaching or anything like that she felt like You know, there wasn't an escape route because Mm -hmm. we were sitting in one place. So we actually did desensitizing her, uh, her fear of waiting. It could be waiting outside while your friend goes in to get coffee for you guys, that sort of thing. It's very similar to waiting in a waiting room. It's not something that they encounter at home. It's, it's a different experience.
0: Is that different then than waiting in the car while you go into Home Depot or something like yeah. that or going to the grocery store?
1: Yeah, it is because you're not – I think that the car becomes um, a kind of like a satellite home. It's It's a known quantity, you know, and people, dogs, whatever, can't approach. They can't get to you if you're in the car, whereas if you're just standing on a corner, you're exposed you being the dog. So, yeah, I don't think that uh, waiting in the car is the same as like waiting outside a grocery store or something like that where there are people coming and going and, you know, there are a lot of unknown quantities and you don't have like physical barriers between you and the rest
0: of the world. And just so I'm clear and tell me if I'm not, Mm -hmm. you're advocating training your dog to wait in a place other than the car. Right. Because they're used to that being in a car. The car is kind of like a home from afar. Right. And you need to train them to wait in a place that's not as safe as the car while you're in the grocery store. Right. And not as
1: familiar. And I wanna be clear. I do not mean tying your dog up outside of a place while you go in alone. I see this so often with dogs that are absolutely petrified if you know what you're looking at. That doesn't help. That's too much exposure to something that's scaring them that's called flooding it just pushes them so far that if they appear at all calm it's because they've shut down so you don't want to do anything that pushes your dog so far that they're getting frantic or that they just get kind of catatonic so don't tie your dog up outside as part of this i desensitizing them to waiting i wouldn't do that ever It's dangerous for other people, it's dangerous for other dogs, and it's extremely dangerous for your own dog. They're at the mercy of whatever comes their way when you're not there, and people steal dogs that are tied up outside of places. Maybe not all the time, but pretty frequently. So don't ever tie your dog up outside alone. (laughs) Okay. Another good thing to work on is making sure that your dog is okay with other people touching her when you take them to the vet one the vet techs the vet they're going to be touching your dog also you're likely to have people in the waiting room wanting to pet your dog so making it an okay thing for your dog to be petted by strangers is another way to work on making the trip to the vet as calm as possible
0: all right so those are some good things to do uh in general for the dog uh as they grow up, as you're training them, now, how about on the actual day that you're taking them into the vet? I mean, well what would you do to prepare them for the actual visit before, during after?
1: There are a few things that you can do. I think one of the really good things is to take a walk before you ever go for the visit. It gets out some of that anxious energy that dogs are going to have, um, gives them a little exercise, a little fresh air, and may um, you know tire them out a little. Not too much. I mean, you don't want to go for some giant jog or anything like that. So, that's a good thing. Like I mentioned uh, with what I did, staying calm and not broadcasting your own anxieties about what the vet might find, you know, being wrong with your dog or your anticipation of your dog's fears. You know, you just want to stay mellow, keep that tight tone out of your voice, don't swear, don't slam things, that sort of thing. Also, the tight T-shirt, if you want the cheap, cheapest way to um, kind of swaddle your dog, I got one for 99 cents at a thrift store. Uh, there's also something called a Thunder Shirt, which you can get that is, I think, about $30 that I'm, I think probably does a better job than a tight T-shirt does. You fit it exactly to your dog. It has Velcro closures, and it's kind of like a little tight jacket
0: was so it made out of like a spandex type material or?
1: No, I, it's not stretchy. It's more like the material that messenger bags are made out of. So like a nylon canvas, but it looks like it's padded. So it's not, it wouldn't be uncomfortable. It just would be really secure feeling. And the Velcro closures let you, you know, make it as tight as you want. I mean, you don't want to suffocate your dog, but you can make it pretty snug I've seen video of uh, dogs before and after with the thunder shirt on for the after, and their behavior is night and day different. So much calmer and confident when they have the thunder shirt on. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. We're actually considering getting one for saffron because I think the t shirts work well, but I think this would work better. The other thing that I mentioned was not spending, you know, 15 minutes in the waiting room. It's better to wait in your car and uh, keep your dog out of that stressful situation. I also mentioned for our trip to the vet that I gave saffron calming supplements. Um, You need to give them a bit beforehand, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes before the event so that they have time to take effect. And Typically, these calming supplements have valerian in them. They may have chamomile. I think the ones with valerian are the ones that really work. One of the ones that most people know about is Rescue Remedy, and my personal experience has been that it doesn't really do anything. Other people swear by it, but if you try it and that doesn't work, don't give up on calming supplements. Look for something that has valerian in it that's specifically for pets. Pay attention to the dosage. uh, Talk to your vet before you even give it to them. You know, take all those sorts of precautions. Um, But those can also make a a big difference. They don't make your pet sleepy. They just make them calmer. They take the edge off. They don't make them dopey. So it's not like they're going to be tripping downstairs or anything like that. But those are a good way to just, like you said, set your animal up for success.
0: Now, how about during the visit itself?
1: Managing your dog's exposure to things that stress them is a key to keeping things going smoothly. Um, If you know that your dog doesn't like other dogs, keep them away from them. Um, That's another good reason to keep them in the car. But at some point, you're going to have to bring them into the office um, unless your vet does house visits, I suppose. A lot of dogs don't want people petting them when they're stressed. Saffron, actually, is not crazy about people petting her when she's really anxious about something. Um, And looming over a dog is generally not a great thing. And, you know, you get a six-foot-something guy who is crouching over your dog, you know, saying how cute it is, may not be a good thing for your dog. And I really think you're totally within your rights to say, I'm sorry, but that really stresses my dog out, you know?
0: Especially in this situation where they're about to go into the vet. Right. You know,
1: they may be sick, they may be injured, whatever. Don't be shy about advocating for your dog. Yeah. Another time that's really stressful for us is when we're in the exam room, but the vet hasn't come into the room yet. So now we're in a new enclosed space that probably smells like the animals who've been there before, who were probably scared, hurt, whatever. You are hearing other noises. You may be closer to where um, dogs are getting x-rayed or things like that. It's another stressful place. And I tend to redirect Saffron's attention when we're in the exam room waiting for the vet. And that can be as simple as like, getting her to run through things that she knows how to do, like sit and stand and um, getting her to turn circles, doing you know running through her repertoire of uh, things that she can do, or just talking to her or getting her to go look at things in the room, that sort of thing. Just, check it out. Yeah, check it out, exactly. Um, redirecting her focus to something else is another good way. Also, don't be shy about communicating to your vet what's going on I'm pretty clear with people that I have an anxious dog she doesn't bite but some things make her nervous and if we need a minute to get her to lie down um, I'm okay with saying you know don't push my dog (laughs) you know let me just get her to lie down pretty much every vet that I've had has been great about that I haven't actually had to say you know back off you're pushing my dog too much. But don't be afraid to do that. It's, it's your dog and you're paying this person for a service. You've hired them to do something for you. And finally, there's some things that you can do after the exam to keep your dog's stress level low. I would recommend instead of keeping your dog at the front desk while you're paying, consider running them out to the car, then coming back in and paying. It's hard to keep an eye on what's going on with her, and it's hard to keep an eye on what other animals in the waiting room are doing. So run your dog out to the car, come back in and pay, and get all the information you need about you know follow-up care. And the work doesn't completely stop once you get home because you need to realize that your dog has just gone through a pretty stressful situation They're not gonna be back to themselves. So give them some time to just decompress. Don't take them on a walk right after this. Don't take them to the dog park. Pretty much don't do anything that is stressful. So really consider what you're doing the rest of the day. There may even be repercussions the next day. So just kind of play it by ear and don't expect your dog to be back to her normal self, you know, right after you get home.
0: Next week, Sarah explains some of the ways to achieve harmony between your pet and your garden. If you'd like to learn more about the site, visit us on the web at petprojectblog.com, and to be sure that you get the podcast every week, go to iTunes and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another installment of the Pet Project Podcast.